0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and start, because we got a late start. And I want to make sure I get everything in that I can this morning. Thank you to those of you that are repeats with me. I love you. You're so sweet. I have to say that this seminar is just as practical as it is um, philosophical so or theological, it, because that's just my nature. So um, uh, my name's Jane, and I actually came up with this seminar by teaching at the mother-daughter retreats this year at Mount Hermon. They do mother-daughter retreats, mother-son retreats, and father-son retreats. And they're just a weekend away. And I had some moms that came, they're they're two weekends for the mother-daughters because there's so many who want to come. So we do it two weekends in a row up at Ponderosa Camp here on the mountain. And you sleep in bunk beds, sorry. I go home at night, but you sleep in bunk beds with your daughters, and it's really quite fun. Um, But we had mothers that would bring one daughter one weekend and another daughter the next weekend. Anybody here that was there? Oh, good. so I can repeat. That's a good one, too. That's even more rustic. Good, well, here is, this is my resume that enables me to teach this. All of these wonderful people were here at camp last week. So I am, like, so tired (laughs) because they ran us ragged. Um, But we had a great week at camp with them. It's fun to have adult kids at camp because they scheduled their own stuff, right? And, um, And then they have a place for mom and dad to jump in when we want. Let me introduce them. Megan is our oldest, and she's married to Eric up there. They didn't like to stand next to each other, but we hope that improves this summer. Um, they both live in Denver, Colorado. They're both Wheaton grads. And they, uh, Megan works for a ministry downtown Denver for women and men coming off the street. And uh, she's loved that since she was in college and before. I'll tell you a little of that story. And then Eric is a um, chemistry teacher in a high school, local public high school. And we say the only reason we let him in our family is because he likes baseball. <laughs> otherwise he's just a chemistry nerd and um, Aubrey's the next and she is um, a Biola grad she lives in Denver also a mile away from her sisters and she's a manager at a Target which is really convenient like I text her what's on sale this week and uh, <laughs> you know she's she loves um, people but she hates working at Target so she's looking for a new job if anybody has one for her okay <laughs> Um, Next up is Noelle. She's over on the end here. She's been known as Olaf here at Mount Hermon, and she's working in the bookstore. You might see her this week in the bookstore. She came home last Christmas not feeling her best and ended up in the hospital for two weeks, the week before Christmas, the week after Christmas. Yeah, you can see where I'm going. So she had a perforated appendix. And ended up missing, having to uh, drop out of school for a semester to heal and then have her appendix out. So we're happy that she's going back to school August 11th. We had an empty nest for three whole months. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't last long. They say this like trick birthday candles. You blow them out and they come back. (laughs) Um, Caleb is our last one and he is here this week as Bronco. So you can't tell your kids his name, okay? Bronco is his name this week because we're from Denver. And he, uh, yeah, he's a great kid. He is headed back to school to do his sophomore year at Liberty University in Virginia. So we are in four time zones across the United States. All the way, um, Noel's at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And we, I'm going to take her there. I can't wait. I love Chicago. Best downtown ever. And I use her pass to do the bus and the train, so it works really well. <laughs> and I've learned to Uber in Chicago. It's great. It's great. You never, never, ever rent a car in Chicago. So that's my resume. Um, I, I uh, love all of them equally and tell them all they are my favorite, depending on who serves me at what time.
1: <laughs> Just kidding.
0: All right, as a mom, where do you need courage? (laughs) Hi, Ruth. Where do you need courage? Homeschooling. Homeschooling. Okay, that's a whole boat of its own. (laughs) Yes. I told my kids I couldn't homeschool and I'd kill them. Yes. Okay, yeah, technology, media, good. What else? Oh, yeah, that was really good this morning, huh? Not letting Satan use your voice box. Yeah. Yeah. Yes? Patience. Patience. Yes, never pray for that. But yes, we all do. We all need it. How many of you have ever said, hurry up, to your kid? (laughs) Oh, we're all moms, right? That comes after mom. It's the title underneath. Hurry up. Yes, we all need that. I think Um, this is what I want to tell you about courage. I am a mom who continually needs courage. Courage to do the right thing with my kid, courage to not be afraid. And so this is the definition that I came up with with in courage. Courage is the ability to act fully on what I believe even when I'm afraid or when I'm not sure of the outcome. Do you agree? A lot of times courage means you step forward and you're really not, you're a little bit afraid, but you got to go in one direction. You can't just stand still with your children because they move fast, don't they? I think they do. Yeah. I want to be brave to go against the flow of culture. Anybody having problems with culture in their kids? Yeah, okay. And I want to be smart and educated in how to apply God's word every in my children's everyday life. Do you want to know how to apply God's word in their life? Yeah. You want to know how to apply it in your own life? Yeah. Your husband? No, you No, you can't. That's <laughs> different territory. And I, I thought about this too. I want to love my kids with boldness and with pluck. Like, I just, I want to love them to the very best of my ability. And um, I think I I need courage to do that sometimes, because sometimes I just want to put them in a cardboard box and cut a hole for food. But that's not allowed either, even if you homeschool. (laughs) All right. So here's a few disclaimers before I start, Okay, First of all, I want you to know that I am a mom just like you. And I'm going to tell you some mom fail stories, because, boy, do I have them. I have four kids, right, and a dog or two. Um, Secondly, I want you to know that I am not a child psychologist, I am not a marriage therapy counselor, I have no professional training in parenting except that I have four kids, and I have been a mom for a long time. Um, But more importantly today, I just want to share that I'm going to I'm going to share from my experience. I'm going to share from other moms' experiences some of the things that helped me along the way to parent my kids well, and some of the things that weren't so well. Um, And then I want to share my best tool. I shared this in the organization seminar that a lot of you took last year, but this is my best tool. And it's the restart button. I mean, seriously, if you don't have one, go buy one. (laughs) (laughs) and put it in your kitchen window or whatever. I mean, there are times when you are headed in one direction with your child, and it is not working. And you need to have the freedom to hit the restart and say, this is not working. We're going to turn, and we're going to go this way. And take responsibility that you're the parent that's not doing it right. I mean, we always told our oldest she was our guinea pig. (laughs) Because, you know, we'd steer in one direction and we'd figure out, well, this isn't going right. And then we told our second she was the guinea pig because we never had a second. So, and then so on and so on, right? So be sure that you think about restart. And I'm going to hit that button a couple times. So I thought I'd just level the playing field with the first story. Um, I could tell you about the time I left our house, got my daughter all buckled in the car, ready to go to the store, got in behind the seat, and, or a steering wheel, and then figured out, oh, I just had a new baby. She's in her seat in the living room. I <laughs> left her there. I know. Really bad, right? Because I was used to having just one. Or I could tell you about the time that I had three girls. Caleb wasn't born yet. We're in Target, so nobody works there yet, right? She's just little. I had one in the cart, in the seat, one in the cart with the stuff, and one... Pinky hold to the cart and I'm check I'm putting stuff on, I turn around. The one who was supposed to pinky hold, gone, like gone. Couldn't find her. They had to shut the whole target down, which they do in less than three seconds. You know that? They have a whole regime of what they do. Code comes over the loudspeaker, every door is locked. And they have employees that run to the restroom, changing rooms, everything, to find your kid. So Target's a safe place, unless you're saving money. <laughs> right? It's not. I know. And they found her. She decided to go to the bathroom all by herself. Yeah, yeah. Good. But the worst time probably was high school age, my oldest. We had a rule in our house, don't talk to Megan in the morning until she talks to you right, because she was not a morning glory (laughs) at all. We had had a rough morning. I had asked her a 100 times, be sure your stuff is ready. She's in the laundry room putting her shoes on, can't find her homework. She's mad. She's running late for the bus. And she was just being terrible to me. And I had this conversation with her, and I may have called her a bad word. That started with a B. I had a couple of my girlfriends say, I didn't know that was a swear word. (laughs) (laughs) Not the best moment. I feel like I just went all over my child with that. And I, to this day, remember it, and it really bothers me. She, uh, however, said that it really helped her to see that she was being that. And uh, she wrote me a card and delivered it to me later in the day which was great. God's grace, for sure, for me. Yeah, because that wasn't the best, best morning of my life. There's very little in the Bible that talks about mothering, um, but there are many good principles for us to know, like don't use abusive language on your children. <laughs> there are teachings to cling to to build a foundation for being a good mother, and I want to share some of those with you today, and I want to I just want to give you courage. One, that you're doing a good job. If you're at Mount Hermon for family camp, you're doing a good job on your parenting. I guarantee you. And second, I want to tell you, a lot of what your kids are going through is normal stuff, and they are going to make it. You know, being a mom a little further along than some of you, I can say, yeah, I remember those days. They are going to make it, yeah. Um, And I want to give you courage today also to believe in Jesus and live out your faith with conviction with your sons and daughters, to believe in him and live that out in everyday living with your sons and daughters, even in unchartered territory when you're afraid. And I want to pray for us, and then we'll dig in. Lord, I just pray this morning for each mom here that you would just fill us up this morning with your word, with um, just courage to follow you and trust that your ways are the best. That's what we need the most. But we really can't hear that unless we are with you, Lord, and spending time with you. And I pray that you would help each one of us to weigh out the importance of who you are in our life as we mother. May we hit the restart if that's what we need to do today. In your name, amen. All right, first of all, if you're late, sorry, you'll have to fill in an empty chair and there's plenty of front row seats. I'll move this away. All right, my first fill in if you wanna fill in thing is just really to keep you awake, is to fill up and follow, fill up and follow. We all have to fill up each day of motherhood by going to the power source, and that is to spend time with God, to meet with God. And I think, you know, as Christians, we know that's the right thing to do, and we don't want to guilt trip anybody into spending time with God. But I have to say, where do you think you're going to get your wisdom from for your children if you do not meet with the one who has all wisdom? And where do you think you're going to have discernment to figure out what's going on in a child's life when they can't speak it? If you aren't spending time with a God who has all discernment, you you just can't do it on your own. And I know that from my own experience and my own human nature, I do not have the ability on my own power to give my kids the wisdom and discernment that they need. So I got to plug in to that power source. Um, and, and so I just want to talk about that for a minute. What does that look like when you have kids? How many of you have early morning kids? Like, they're up at the crack of dawn. Yeah, yeah, welcome to camp. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anybody have late ones? You're going to love that until they're teenagers. <laughs> I have a friend who would get his kids up with a, uh, one of those water guns in the morning. It's I know. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I, I have found that if I can just snag away a little time in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening, it really doesn't matter what time of day, but a time alone with God, it has been so helpful for me. So helpful. I have my favorite chair. I like a cup of coffee. I I want to recommend to you, and I have a bunch of books at the bookstore that I have not written, Um that are on being a mom. I just had them collect inputs in there. I have some recommendations for you today. But I, I have a Bible recommendation for you. It is not a mom Bible. It's just a Bible, okay? But um, it's called the Wayfinding Bible. And I sat on LifeWay's floor when I lived in Denver looking for a new Bible. I work with people constantly who are seekers of Jesus and do not know him, or are looking to start their relationship in following Jesus. And I wanted a Bible that would be easy for them to find and follow. And so I sat on the floor, here's this wall of Bibles, and I just started taking them down and looking at them. And I had them all over the floor, and the, the lady, the salesperson was like, what, who are you and what are you doing? You know, But I didn't care. I wanted the right one. And I found this Bible, the Wayfinding Bible. And what it is is it's the New Living Translation. So for seekers, it was great. But what I found is when I read Romans 8, I was like, oh, that's what they're saying. You know, that's what Paul's trying to communicate. It was like in language that I could easily understand as I communicate with my kids, as I communicate with other people. It has, what it does is it takes three reading plans through the Bible, no dates, so no guilt, right? You start on the flyover route, and it gives you 52 readings through the Bible in chronological order, so you get the big picture story. And there are pictures and graphs and modern day, this is what, this is what, you know, Bethlehem looks like and there'll be a modern day picture of it in here. It's got all these fun, like you get a big picture, you get a like observation of the history of it, and then you get an exploration or an application. But beyond that, it has, it's just that's a picture of my family that flew out. Um, After you read the flyover route, you can go back and then you do the direct route and it adds in more passages. And then you can do the scenic route after that, which adds in more passages. The Bible's in normal order, but it goes through chronologically in the reading. So you read about the king who goes with the prophet, who goes with the psalm, all in order. It's really cool. Um, so it has been, I can take just one little passage in my morning and tuck it in my heart. Tuck it in my heart. And I love that. And, I, um, and then what I do is I pray. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. But I, um, it's just like little practical things. I am not a good prayer to sit close to my eyes because I will fall asleep or think of something else. Sometimes walking helps, but I have found my best method of prayer is to type my prayers out. Cuz I can type faster than I can write, and I don't fall asleep. And I can type and look out the window. Thanks to high school typing 101, <laughs> right? So, even if you punch fast, it's and then I have all my prayers saved by date and year on my computer, and I They come in handy. My husband confronted me about something the other day, which I didn't like. And um, I said, well, let me show you this. And I went back two days in my prayers. And I said... I took this to the Lord just two days ago. So it's his job to work on it, not yours. (laughs) No, I. well, you get the idea. But I love love just sitting and praying um, on my computer. That's easy for me. So if you journal, however you do it, some way to really stick your head in it and stay connected to it. And in that, I pray God's word back to him. What did he teach me today that I could pray back to him? Um, it could be that he taught me that he knows everything and I don't, you know, however it is, I just pray back his word to him. And then I pray through the Lord's prayer every time I pray. So a big piece of that is your kingdom come, your will be done. And I pray that to him. And then I'm like, okay, what in today's world for me is kingdom work that you have prepared for me to do? With my kids, with my neighbors, with the grocery clerk, whatever it is, what is kingdom work for me today, Lord, that you have? I'm gonna watch for it. And then your will be done, and every day surrendering my will to his will. It's just like this huge thing as a mom to be able to say, Not my will today, Lord, but your will. Help me to see the things that my kids need today that only can be given through what you have for them instead of what my agenda is for them. It's really, really helpful. Ladies, we gotta fill up. We gotta fill up on Jesus and follow him. Yes? It's called the Wayfinding Bible. It comes in a beautiful turquoise color too if you're a color girl. I like the brown, it comes in black, it comes in hardback. There's a section up front with it, there's a section on the side where the Bibles are also with more of them. But it's a great Bible. You can get it online also. The other thing that I love is time with other moms and in community. That is so important. How many of you have a community of moms around you? Either mops. If, how many of you are out of mops and you have nothing to do because they don't have something in your community for moms out of mops? Yeah, start something. You can, yeah, you can do a Bible study, but like I know at our church back in Denver, there's a group called Moms in the Middle. And it was started by a couple of moms there years ago who thought, what do we do after mom ops? I taught my organization seminar there to those moms. That was really fun. Um, so, Moms in the Middle, start a group of your own. It could be built up just like MOPs or a little different, however you want to do it. Something where you have community with moms in your stage of life. I had a mom who was a friend, Kristen. She lived down the street, five doors down. We raised our kids. Some were the same age, some were stair-step. Every morning, we would drop them at the bus stop and take the dogs and walk. Every morning. It was so good for us. And we would pray for our kids as we walked. And, and I remember her saying, Jane, do you realize in eight years, they're all going to be out of school. I'm like, ooh, and it went just like that. And then I moved, and I don't get to walk with Kristen anymore. It's so sad. But I needed her during those years, and we prayed for each other and for our kids. Then I would say for your kids, courage to have them read God's word and be in it. How can you do that? How can you encourage them? As you read through, read with them. Do you know nonfiction reading is really hard for kids? Anybody know that? The Bible is a great, great history book. And it is nonfiction, but it's written in story form. It's a great book for them to learn to read out of. New Living Translation is an easy translation for them. Do you know they don't make the ESV and NIV? No, NIV, NIV they do. New American Standard, I know for sure, they do not make in a children's Bible. Do you know why? The reading level's too high because of how the language is structured. NIV probably has it, it better. Yeah. So there are children's Bibles that are written for children to read. So pay attention to those things. Yes? At what age
1: would you include them to a Bible like you would read from
0: children's Um. Well, they have great youth Bibles. There's all kinds of things. I it's would, N-I-R-E. yeah.
1: That's what I was just saying. Yeah. Okay. For them to read themselves? Yeah. So they can read on a second grade level? Right. But you can read it to them at about a first grade
0: level. That's great. It's called the N. N. I. R. V. It's
1: a lowercase
0: r. Okay. Reader's version.
1: version. Before that, I would stick to the storybook types.
0: Types. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb and I, when he was 12, we read through the one year Bible, N. I. V., together at night. And he'd read a paragraph, and I'd read a paragraph. It was great till we got to Song of Solomon. And then he saw Mom, I'm not reading this out loud. (laughs) So I read for him. Anyway, yeah, have them read. Um, Prayer, have them pray with you is so important. And then I found this book, too, that I found really helpful, Upside Down Prayers for Parents. We pray a lot for our kids' protection and that they will do well in school and choose the right friends. But we don't pray things that develop their character very well. Protection does not develop your child's character, right? Um, I think that's an important thing. So she has some great prayers in here for developing the core of who your child is. Even just to think about them might be worth a perusal for you if you don't want to buy the book. Um, And I don't think we have them in the bookstore, but I just thought of that when I was teaching this. Prayer for our kids is so important as we, you know, think through. I want to give you courage to pray for your kids. Pray for them, each one of them by name. You know what? Nobody else is praying for them unless it's a grandparent who really loves them or your spouse. I have one child, and I've shared this before, but I just was having such difficulty in raising her. She was probably 12 or 13 at the time. I seriously was going to put her out for adoption not really, but um, I went to a girlfriend of mine, and I said, I need help with her. I just don't know what to do. Do you, do you have a book you can recommend? Or, you know, how about a child psychologist I could go to to learn, like, what these behaviors and her personality are like? And uh, she said, oh, I have the perfect child psychologist, but she won't see you until you have spent 30 days at that child's bedside in prayer. And I thought, duh. Like, God could help me, right? And guess what? After 30 days, she was fixed. No. (laughs) You're all, yeah. No, no. But my heart and my attitude was fixed for a while till I had to do it again. (laughs) Seriously, he changed my way of looking at things rather than thinking I was going to fix her. That's come up again with me fixing her. I'll tell you a little bit about later because that's not a good thing. There is one other thing that I think of. Um, Let's see. I love this quote. I've shared it before. Know what to do when you don't know what to do. This was on the wall of our kids' high school in the cafeteria. Know what to do when you don't know what to do. How do you know what to do when you don't know what to do? You have your foundation built on God's word, and you have talked to him about these things, right? Good conversation with the Lord. Fill up and follow Jesus. That is how you are going to be the best mom you can be. Pretty elementary, but so important, so important. I can't stress it enough. All right, how about you? What are you doing to fill up on Jesus? Anybody want to share? because
1: mm-hmm. so I've just been really busy. I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. Yeah. But so I actually listen to the books
0: you read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As you're driving or... As i driving or cleaning my house. Mm-hmm. It,
1: it's really filled my heart more because I can always rewind and go, ooh, that was good. I want to hear that again. Right,
0: right. Very good. Very good. Yeah, Jamie.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know just I watched this if I reply now but I watched this you know with the terminal um, online and they were so proud that he knew what to do when no one else was willing to do and that's he, right Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, our yeah. kids are amazing, and we don't give them credit for some of that. Right, because you don't think it's ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. But even as he relates really to such peace knowing that um, he, in the end, was exactly, he knew exactly who he was. Right. And that uh, he went
1: out that way. It was just so, so, so inspiring as well. Mm-hmm. really listened to my kids
0: more. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Jamie and her husband Keith went, go to our church that we were at in Colorado and we had our own daughter walk through a school shooting at Arapahoe High School and has um, some good PTSD from that and as our whole family it changed our whole life. Colorado, it's weird in that way. Um, But there's such spiritual strength there because of it. Like I said, it's not protection that builds character. And we're not promised protection. You know that, right? Protection from the evil one in certain ways. But I think it's a more spiritual thing than it is a physical thing. All right. Fill up, follow. Follow is, um, I'll just go through these quickly. But I, I want to hit with you a few thoughts that I had on following. Um, I want to make sure I hit, oh, I turn the page when I shouldn't. Just some practical things with your kids. Worship is an important part of life for us as believers. Children need to be in church. They need to be in the fellowship of other believers. It is so important. Facebook church does not count. So I just say get your butt out of bed and get there. And if you're on your own, get there on your own. I took my kids, my four kids, to church every Sunday by myself because my husband was lazy. No, he was the pastor. He had to be there early. (laughs) But some of you have that story, and your husband doesn't walk in in the way you do, and it's tough, and you got to shore up. Because kids need to be in church they need to hear God's word they need to be in a community where other adults are speaking into their lives they need to be surrounded by kids in youth group that are the same age and I've said this a hundred times if you have a lousy youth group find a good one you know how to shop I know you do
1: <laughs>
0: right you find one that they can belong to that they feel part of um And I I say that coming as a pastor's wife. Like, if I had a family whose kid didn't fit in our youth group, I'm like, find something else for them. Because it's really important that they have their age community to be involved with. Our kids, our two oldest kids, hated being in the fishbowl at church. So they did K-life and young life, things that they could be involved in in youth with their own age in their church, in their community. Um, And then um, serve, serve together as a family. How can you do that? If you're not serving in your local church, how will they be? Or in a local community outreach kind of program, like uh, maybe a um, pregnancy care clinic or something that they're involved doing. We used to go to Open Door Ministries downtown Denver. Some of you have heard this story. We would take our kids, I remember one specific Christmas, we went to the Kaya house, which is a house for women coming off the street because of alcohol or drugs. And these women, most of them, they didn't know how to cook. They didn't know how to do their own laundry. They lost all those skills, social skills, um, and they needed help in all those areas. And Open Door was so good at teaching them God's word and teaching them how to live life and getting their legal stuff cleaned up, all of this. So we went to the Kaya house. We brought dinner. We, t- we made it with them. I brought gingerbread houses to make with the women, and they sat at the kitchen table with my kids and made gingerbread houses. And those ladies ate more candy than my kids did. <laughs> it was so precious. And we watched Miracle on 34th Street. We didn't preach the gospel to them, but we lived it with them. And now. My daughter works for Open Door. She has lived in the Kaya house. And she raises money for them on a regular basis. That's what she does for her career. She probably would have never done that had we not started when they were little and taught them how to serve other people. And yay God, like that's his work, not mine. because. I would prefer she's not, like when she was at Wheaton, she'd every Saturday walk the streets of Chicago to share Jesus and hand out a peanut butter sandwich. And we went on her route with her one time. And these men are like, hey, Megan, how are you? And I'm like, they know her name, you know? <laughs> it's not putting them in safe places. Like, she, they knew her because she loved on them. And God gave her a heart for... Um for lost people and for people on the fringe and people who have had hard times. And it has taught Mike and I a ton, a ton, about generosity. She's taught us because she serves. So serve. Find a way to jump in and serve with your kids. I'm going to give you courage to do that. (laughs) Find a way. In the summer when I was outnumbered, me, one to four, when they were home from school, I always had a summer theme. And one year it was, serve others, serve each other. How hard is that? Sibling stuff? That's normal, by the way. I just want to tell you that's normal. And uh, so we worked. I, I had little things that we did to go serve others, serve some of the older women in our church who needed help in their yards or whatever. I'd show up with four kids. They're like, oh, I don't know if that's a help or not. But we were there. You know, and we didn't always do it good, and they bickered and fought through the whole thing. But we we were training and we were learning, and that's part of training, right? If you're anybody, a physical trainer in here? Oh, good. (laughs) Just because you'd have to look at me, but but I just with physical training, you train, and I like I'm a piano teacher. I can tell you this: training a kid to play the piano, you don't teach them to play a C scale, and they have it down. They have to practice and practice and practice. And practice does not make perfect, practice makes permanent. So if you make a mistake along the way, you have to hit the restart button. Okay? All right, and I just want to add this to the mix. Oh, wait, I'm going to go back. I really want to do the missions, be missions minded with your kids. They need to see what is happening in the world. There's so much going on with refugees. There's so much going on um, with, with culture shifting. Like, we were in France. And I've got to tell you, there were more um, Islamic people in France than there were French people. It's, it's amazing what's happening in our world. And we need to have our kids aware of what's going on and, and that the gospel means something to them, that they want to share it with other people because it really is life, right? And so missions-minded, what can you do with your kids to get them to see the world? You can do that through inviting missionaries who are coming through your church into your home for a meal with their kids. You can do it by reading up on those newsletters that you get sent, that you throw in the trash. Guilty of that. Like, I don't have time to read this whole thing. I'll just peruse through and see if my missionary's in there and then toss it in the trash. But there are life-giving stories in there that I could be reading and reading to my kids, right? Um, We took each one of our kids on a missions trip when they reached high school, individually. And um, I... And we tried to go see missionaries that we knew from our church that had kids the same age. And they bonded with those kids most of the time. Not everyone. But uh, uh, Megan, when we went to Spain, we stayed with a missionary there in Spain. And their daughter, Alba, became friends with Megan. And Alba was in Megan's wedding here at Mount Hermon years later. So there's like these little connections all over the world Um, that we need to be encouraging our kids to know about. Have courage that they need to know there's other belief systems out there that they should know something about and how it's affecting our world today. And then I just want to say this, what you feed, uh, nope, this one, what you feed them, they get used to. What you feed them, they get used to. If you say, I can't do, my kids can't sit through church and Sunday school. I just want to say, speak to the hand. <laughs> I don't believe that. They sit through school six hours a day. And, and learning to sit through church or Sunday school for them, it's life-giving for them. And um, I, have, I really think it's good for them. So that would be my take on that. Fill up and follow. And then I would say this to you. Christianity, it's more than just a philosophy. Um, this is a quote that I picked up. It's a way of life. We can't confess our faith in worship services and then set it aside when we leave the building. Our faith goes with us. It permeates our thoughts and actions every day of the week. That's what it's supposed to do, right? We follow Jesus. As Christians, we don't believe in a list of do's and don'ts. Right? Right? Is it about do's and don'ts? sure hope not. We don't believe in the teachings of Jesus, although they are good and they help us live. We believe in Jesus, right? We believe in him. Our belief is in who he is, not all that he said, although we do believe that. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then you know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in his teachings shall not perish. No. That's the difference. It's a huge difference. Because there are lots of good teachers in this world who have taught some really good stuff. But we don't believe in them. We believe in their teachings. But in Jesus, we believe both, right? Right? But mostly, we believe in him. And I just want to say today, you know, your personal relationship with Jesus has got to be spilling out on your kids if you want them to walk with Jesus all their days. They've got to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, I prayed for this. It was the wrong prayer. I should have been praying this. I say that to my kids every once in a while. Like, I've been praying this for you, but really, I need to pray this for you. I have one kid that struggles with eating. Like, coffee drinks are her favorite. All kinds of sugar coffee drinks. And I can pray all day for her not to drink sugar coffee drinks. But that's not the issue, right? It, we, we get so caught up as moms in the behavior. But the behavior is not the issue. It is the acting out of a belief in their heart. So the issue for this daughter with coffee is self-control. That's a spiritual issue, is it not? Anybody have that spiritual issue? You Raise it high, man. I'm there with you. Self-control, it's the fruit of the spirit. We're supposed to have it, right? And yet we sit on it more than we exercise it, I think. So if that's an issue for you and you don't feel like your faith has been spilling out on your kid, start over. Restart. Tell them. I, you know what, my faith I've kept pretty private. And I want you to know how important it is to me, and I want you to know I'm gonna start, like a sponge, I'm gonna start squeezing it out on you so it drips on your head. Water torture, (laughs) spiritual torture, whatever it is. All right, next, going quickly, is talk or train, talk and train. Um, Just, I wanna give you courage to talk to your kids. Communicate, you cannot over-communicate with them, even though they think you can, <laughs> right? Some of them think you can. My parents' generation didn't do so well at talking. Like, I found out about sex from my sister. That was <laughs> probably just fine, actually, <laughs> at that point. Um, I wanted to change that in my mothering, and I wanted to have conversations that felt more free and more natural. And I mean, a mom fail on that. I remember our first, Mike and I decided, I'll tell the girls about sex. You tell the boys. Well, we had three girls, and he got one boy. I'm like, that's not fair. So, But I have lots of practices. practices so by the third girl, I got it right. So the first one, though, that was my mom fail. We're in the car, and she's buckled in the back seat. So I don't really have to look at her, but one eye through the mirror every once in a while. And I somehow it came up. You know, it just has a way of doing that. And you just give them what they need for the moment. You don't have to give them the whole nine yards. And I knew that, but didn't remember it in the moment. <laughs> so I gave her the whole. And she's sitting in the back seat. I could just see the shell shock on her eyes, in her eyes. And then we went to the grocery store. And then so just recently, she said to me, Mom, when we went to the grocery store, I'm looking at the lady in the aisle thinking, does she do that? I'm looking at the checker behind the counter, does he do that? It was so funny now, but looking back, it probably wasn't the right way to do it with my daughter. So communicating, being open with our children on sexuality, on on friendship, on behavior, all those kind of things, that open conversation that they feel safe. And you could over-communicate if you're not careful. I I said that tongue-in-cheek. But we need to ask good questions of our kids. Are you asking questions? If you have boys, you have to figure out how to ask a question that doesn't give a one-word answer (laughs) or a grunt. Yeah, they go, uh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Good questions, like tell me about your friend Avery. What do you like about her? What's hard about her? Tell me what you know about her family. Um, keeping the, that kind of communication open where you're asking good questions of your kids. I heard this the first week of camp. I'm so mad that I didn't think of this when my kids were younger, but since some of you have younger, I'm just going to pass this on to you. We need to have the hard conversations about faith at our kitchen table with our kids. Because you want to have those conversations that you can answer and you can have them researching rather than them hear it from their high school professor or their first college professor that says the Bible contradicts itself it's not accurate it doesn't have enough copies it's da 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 the Jesus you follow is da 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 he's a good man but he's not God are you having the conversations at your kitchen table with your kids that are apologetic in nature that teach them God's word there are lots of resources out there for that look for them and you ask your kid the question and watch them they're going to start defending their faith But you need to teach them how to accurately do it. So just a freebie for you. Courage, courage. And knowing that each child is going to look different, oh my goodness, they're going to look different in how you communicate with them and how they communicate back. One of my kids, like, it took me longer to get her to open up than it did to even get get the issue out. You know what I mean? It just took forever. But if you put her in a car at midnight with Dad, driving fast on the freeway, you got it all. Each one of them processed so differently. That was her way. And it was great. And I let Dad go, (laughs) because I wanted to go to bed. And I had spent most of the day with her. So I mean, there's just different ways. I have one that is an over-communicator, like a verbal processor. Anybody have one of those in your home? Could be a girl or a boy. Yeah, and my verbal processor says what she needs to say pretty much in the first two minutes and then goes on for 20, <laughs> about the same thing. And I I just can't take it. Like, I'm like, I listen the first two minutes and then, mm. but I am not being a good, like she'll say, you're not listening to me. Yeah, yeah. and I'm learning to be a better listener. I'm learning that... It's good to say, hold that thought. Wait till dad gets home. Because <laughs> uh, we talk about timing in our house. You know, Sometimes it's not good for you to ask me that, because if you ask it right now, I'm going to say no. But if you ask me in 20 minutes when I'm not concentrating on balancing the checkbook, I'd be happy to listen to you. So they know the timing thing, you know communicate 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 with your kids. It's going to ask to, it's going to look different in all kinds of ways. Any questions on communication? Yeah. Um, well, I think I,
1: I a
0: mm-hmm. and then I start <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah you know I think just the communication that you both know that is huge Um, we knew that about Megan and so we determined that we worked slow with her in the morning as a mom it's harder if you're the opposite though and you're the one that takes a while to come up and they're going full blast I have a couple of moms like that some kind of activity, some kind of something that gets them engaged first thing in the morning where you can get, go slow might be helpful. Something that slows them down a little. I don't, I'm not sure on that one. That's a hard one. But maybe he'll be a stockbroker because they have to get up really early and be on it in the morning, right? Because they have to get to the, um, yeah. Training is another job that we do. And I want to talk about training and image today. Um, it's our job to pour into our precious people to help them become strong and loving and godly men and women. And we want to protect them and provide for them. But most, our most important job is to prepare them for what's coming. Um, our mantra as parents was that we wanted... Um, we wanted them to be who God made them to be and we wanted them to feel comfortable in their own skin so let me just talk about physical image is physical image a cultural problem right now it's probably one of the most twisted things that Satan has done in a long time
1: from
0: yeah I'll be done in time I'm pretty good at that um, We'll be done. Um, Physical image in today's culture is one of the most twisted things. And you know what is the saddest part to me is that Christians are not in agreement on it. And that's really hard. Um, There's so much confusion. So I have this little box, and I'm going to keep it to that, okay? Because that's not what our seminar is about. But There is confusion on the topic, and you may have a child who is choosing what they want to be, male or female. Um, If that's your story, then I'm going to encourage you towards love and grace and healthy modeling of what it means to be a man or a woman of God a careful study of God's word and what he has to say. If you have a kid that's coming up against this, you better be prepared. Know what to do when you don't know what to do. Here's a book title that I would recommend called People to Be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. (laughs) That's his real name or his (laughs) pen name. Um, Mike read this, I have not. Um, And he read it because here at Mount Hermon, we have to deal with gender stuff being an overnight facility. We have our first transgender camper coming this summer, probably already came, and knowing how we're going to deal with that as a camp, a Christian camp. Um, so it's, it's just a topic that we deal with. Let me tell you this, though. I have a story. I remember when our kids were young, all of us were playing wiffle ball in the backyard, and Caleb was sitting on the porch. He was probably six, playing Polly Pockets. And I'm like, to my husband, you got to get him out here to play fo- ball. He can't be sitting there playing girls games, you know? Well, I cannot get sports out of my kid's head now. His name's Bronco for the Denver Bronco football team, OK? It, it's normal for kids to play non-gender stuff when they're young. That's normal. It's not as normal when they get older. Then, then something's not clicking quite right. But we want our young men to be nurtured and nurturers because they're going to have a wife someday they need to nurture. So our job in, in reality is that we want to raise our boys to be men. And we want to raise them to love Jesus. And we want to raise our girls to be godly in their image as women. And what does that look like? It's going to look like something different for each one of our children. But there are some standards. Like in our house, the boys... They always open car doors. They always scrape the ice off the windshield. They do the boy things of protection. It's so cute, as Megan got married, or was dating Eric, they would walk down the sidewalk, and she would say, no, Eric, you need to walk on the outside of the sidewalk. In case a car comes, you should be dead before me. (laughs) She learned well from her dad. and, and then an image in girls, you know, physical image for our daughters is a big thing. And I would say I want to give you courage to, to raise healthy kids, not perfect kids. Every one of you has a different shape and size in this room. Every one of us, we're made glorious in God's image. And, and we need to look different. We need to be different, right? And because that's his design. So I, I worked on healthy. You know, we don't eat junk food. We don't eat out at junk food places except when it's a special time. Or not that it's special to eat junk food. But you know what I'm saying. You know, that didn't come out right. Um, just working on being healthy. You know, it's not healthy not to shower because the people around you are going to get clogged noses. You know, it's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for you. It's, and I found it was, it was easier to teach my boy to be clean than it was the girls for some reason. He was, in our family, he showered every day. And them, I'm like, the greasy hair, really? It makes your face break out. But just trying to teach them to be healthy and, and not harping on the body. Anybody in here have body damage in your head because of a parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Do I myself?
0: Yeah, from your own parents. Yeah, I remember comments that were made to me that just never go away. So be really careful. You are raise, raising them to be the image of God. That is their image, physical image. And be careful that you don't take your image onto them. If you don't like your image, that you're not hard on them. And then image of perception of how they are seen. What are they wearing? I've seen Christian kids and I think, do they really have Christian parents that are following Jesus? Because that should not be worn outside their home. You know, what are they wearing that, that shows they belong to Jesus? I have two brand new believers, Joni and Katja. And both of those ladies, when they gave their life to Christ, all of a sudden the cleavage thing went up and I did not tell them a thing about it because I really believe it's God's job to clean up not mine but all of a sudden something inside of them said you know it's not okay to hang out we had we called it the bow wow shirt right in our family if I bow and you say "wow," <laughs> it's not allowed. That was Dad's shirt, so he go, "That's a bow wow shirt. Go change." So they knew. I mean, that, that's fun family code. You all have family code. You could add that one to your family code. We went through a period where the jeans were so low, and I said to Mike, "I can't find any other jeans out there to, for them to wear." He goes, "I'll take them shopping." He did. He came back and he goes, I can't find any other jeans. So we got into long shirts at that point, you know, to cover those little midsections that were hanging out for for their years when they were teenagers. And um, it's funny because Megan has to work now even at not being too modest. Her husband is like, I I have like a little V-neck on you once in a while. She goes, I can't do a V-neck, you know. And it's like, yeah, you can. You know, we didn't. And I was... I was more relaxed on it than my husband, and still am. And occasionally, he'll say to me, that's a powwow shirt. I'm like, oh, I'm 56. <laughs> <laughs> but to him, it's important. He would take the girls' prom dress shopping. And he'd say, does that dress come with a turtleneck? <laughs> <You know. laughs> he learned that strapless dresses are a much better option than v-neck dresses, right? some little things like that. Also, beyond the physical, we need to train their heart. And I talked about that. When you see a bad behavior, there's a heart issue. And if you don't go and ask Jesus what it is, you're not going to figure it out. Or you're going to figure it out wrong. And then I'm going to add this one in just for free. The tongue. And I'm going to say to you and to myself, the tongue is a big deal. And if you're raising sons, the locker room talk is horrible. And you need to teach your sons that it is not okay to talk about a woman's body and to trash it or even give it too much glory. That's not okay. That is not what a young man of God does. And he needs to stand on that line in a locker room where boys are going to do that all the time. And then if you're raising girls, the gossip, The processor, well, I'm just processing this with you, Mom. No, you cross the line to gossip. It's not your story to tell. That was always our line. It's not your story to tell. If that person was standing right next to you, would you be telling the story? And and the tone of voice. Do you have teenage daughters with tone of voice problems? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it starts really young. Can I just ask, where do you think they get that from? (laughs) <laughs> their dad <laughs> amen <laughs> there you go that's right their dad that's right no not really um yeah I, well, ladies we got to be careful because they learn that tone from us how we speak to our husbands how we speak to our moms our friends all of that is so key um Oh, gosh. Yeah, if you need to go get kids, go ahead. I'm going to just do my last point here, okay? That's all right. I love the child care workers. I'm going to skip just to listening for a second. The last one is listen and love. And, and I'm sorry I didn't make it there in time today. Um I, this was brought up earlier about listening to your children. Listen to them. They have so many good things to say. And then not only listen, but acknowledge. That was really good for me to hear today. You know, I, my 6'2 son, I've given him permission to hold my chin and lift it up to his eyes to say, Mom, you're not listening to me. Because sometimes my mind is other places, and I'm not doing a good job listening. And sometimes it takes them too long to say what they need to say, (laughs) and I'm not listening. So have courage to listen to your kids and to hear their heart, not just what's coming out of their mouth. There's usually a different or longer topic involved. Um, Some of us need to hit the reset button on that one, too. I think... We've done a lot of um, highs and lows at dinner time, like where you come at dinner and it's like, what was your high today? What was your low today? And we go around the table. And that's been really helpful because you really get a better picture of what they're walking through in the lows of their life. Some of your kids won't tell their lows, some wanna have two highs, and that's okay. You know, some don't have any highs. And you say, I want a high today from you, not just the lows. Um, and then if you, this is a great book that someone recommended to me um, called Triggers. And if you have that daughter that rolls her eyes and gives you lip, it may trigger something in you that is not necessarily attractive. And, I, and to know what in your kids are triggering things from your own past or from your own like that make you angry quickly, it's good to know those things so that you can responsibly not react but respond in love to your child. Um, And then if you are bad at that, again, hit the restart button. Last week I had all three of my adult daughters here so I made them do the workshop with me and we just did question and answer time. And I kind of gave some direction as to what topics. And it was so fun to hear their response. And I said, I said to them, so what do you think my love language is as I, because love knowing your kids' love language is a really big help to you in parenting them. And I, and they all three in unison said, acts of service. I'm like, that's right. Clean up your mess. That's an act of service. That makes me feel loved, you know? Just the ways that we love each other. And then one of them said the other day, don't you think that your love language, a lot of it can be, is based out of how you were raised? And I thought, oh, I've always thought of it as that's who you were made. But I would say there's some pieces of love language that are how you raise them. In our house, we're a very physical touch family. We hug, we love on each other, kids sit on each other. I have pictures of my grown kids walking down the street holding hands. That was instilled in them since they were little, and it is part of their love language because of how we've raised them. So you do have a big piece of who they are based on how you love them. And there's more, but it's time for lunch. So enjoy your day. If you have any questions or thoughts or snide remarks, please come talk to me. I'm happy to hear. You're welcome.